This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week is Doom the man to lift the gloom at United. And up and down Dundee must win by the sea. Hello and welcome to this week's Twa Teams One Street. I am Tom Duthie. Miserably podding with me this week <laughs> are Alan Temple. Hello. George Cran. Hello. We should be used to this by now, to be oh. honest. <laughs> and Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. Hey, why are you always cheery? You've, you've suffered for so long, <laughs> you're numb to it. It just, it just brushes over me, yeah. all the misery. <laughs> now, I know who we're speaking about in part one, but it might take the listener out there, <laughs> hopefully plural, out there a wee while to work out when I say, what on earth is going on, boys? <laughs> we'll leave it up to you to direct that in a, in a specific direction then. <laughs> what on earth is going on? Part one, Dundee United. Yeah, it's really disappointing first permanent outing for Liam Fox's manager and perhaps the most disappointing thing about it was it was all so familiar. Um in his games as interim, he seemed to have tightened up the defence. There was there was diligence, there was hard running, there was tracking. They were hard to score against. Um, back at Tannadice for the 2-1 defeat against St Johnston, all those things were absent. It was like the Dundee United of earlier in the season in terms of how easy they were to play against and how easy they were to score against. The two goals conceded were absolutely criminal. Um the, the first one, Sadat Anaku doesn't do well enough in his duel with Andy Considine, but even then, you can't blame a striker for the fact that all Andy Considine has to do is loft a long ball over the top and Stevie May has 40 yards of free space to run into to score. That's just dreadful. Defence is too high and isn't playing offside, nor is anyone primed to cover round. Just neither fish nor foul, just really poor. And then the second goal, it's the less obviously catastrophic, but... The more you watch it, it's an absolutely dire goal to concede. Um, Ross Graham heads a ball clear. They lose the, the midfield battle. But then once possession turns around, the midfield is so stationary. No one's bombing back. And you have a, a line of three St Johnston players I was going bursting to say, into that United's space. United's best hope of not losing a goal in that situation was... The provider was spoilt for choice. Yeah, I mean, the three uh, teal and magenta bodies just roaring into that space between teal the mid. And I know. <laughs> I forgot how bad that strip is. <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, you might have won, but yeah, strips like <laughs> the. Uh, you know, that space between midfield and defence was a chasm, right? And that has happened so often this season. And then nobody tracks Halberg into the box, despite the fact. I mean, Dylan Levitt looks at him a couple of times over his shoulder. Um, it's really, really poor. And for all, I mean, I feel like this season has been an element of gaslighting going on when we talk to people at Dundee United, when we bring up, and this does repeatedly get brought up, can you make a functional Dundee United team without a defensive midfielder? You know, do you need that defensive midfielder that plugs that gap between defence and midfield? I mean, you keep getting told... That was not quite as simple as that, and everybody mm. needs to do certain jobs, and you can't just pin it on one thing. I'm sorry, I realise football is more complex than one magic bullet, but at the same time, they need a defensive midfielder, and you will not convince me otherwise. Um, it was a it's an oversight in their recruitment, and something that needs to be fixed. Whether that's through a free agent, we'll maybe touch on that, or in fact, there's no or. It's uh, the the or. It would be. Uh, square pegs and round holes again uh, you know a Liam Smith or a Charlie Mulgrew in there so that's either way a midfield of Ian Harks, Dylan Levitt and Jamie McGrath is not a functional Scottish Premiership midfield and would get them relegated in my opinion What Alan says there about square pegs and round holes and the need for a defensive midfielder not that I'm in the mood to praise the other half of the city's football clubs but a couple of times in recent uh, games, I've seen Gary Boyer put Lee Ashcroft on late in games in midfield as he was coming back to fitness. Centre half, not a midfielder, but bare at least. Sometimes mm -hmm. you, sometimes you just need yeah. a body in the way. And yeah. you might as well have someone that can tackle. So uh, 
Charlie Mulgrew gives you the benefit of yeah. a bit of footballing ability as well. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think it's, it's, it's a needs-must situation. If they don't get anyone in, they've got to look predominantly uh, get at, a body at, in at there. Mulgrew. Because as Alan says, it's, the, the yeah. teams are walking uh, uh, from says, their own heart. Alan says teal and magenta. I mean, <laughs> what's that in Dundonian? Is that, <laughs> is that pink and mere pink? <laughs> 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 uh, no, you've got to, they've got to do it. It'll be interesting to see how they go this week against Aberdeen. Um, in the likely event that they don't get anyone in, they don't, we know they're looking at someone, we'll come on to that. But, yeah, I mean, Charlie Charlie is uh, a man who has played at the highest level. He's played at international level. So it wouldn't be beyond him to go in there and do a job for him. And I think that that's what they need. You talked about that midfield. I mean, McGrath and, you know, Levitt. It, quality players in there. But it's not the right mix, Tom. You've, uh, got to have, yeah. you, you've got to have the right mix. You've got to be able to attack when you want to attack. But more importantly, you've got to be able to protect that defence. And if you're not protecting the defence, then all the good work you're doing going forward is undone with one swift break. And we saw that, we saw that against St Johnston. Fair play. To, I was, I was, I, they're, they're caught out with a long ball, but it's a terrific finish from Stevie May, I've yes. got to say. Aye. Um, but it was a sore one, a sore one for United, and, and the table doesn't make good reason at this point in time. I should point out, you know, as Bear says, absolutely not suggesting that either of those three players in midfield are poor footballers. They're absolutely not, and it's been mm-hmm. proven in the past. But your problem is balance. It's a yeah, midfield in the other direction. It's a midfield three that at the moment isn't getting the best out of any of the three. You've got Dylan Levitt who does his best work when he's looking forward to make passes and he's worried about what's going on over his shoulder. Ian Hark's trying to do a bit of everything and as such isn't doing anything overly well. And Jamie McGrath is your one major tick. Jamie McGrath in the circumstances is playing very well. And we've done a couple of pieces that have kind of outlined that in in numbers as well as the fact that he just passes the eye test in that regard. So there's there are good players there and throughout the Dundee United team there are good players, but the balance is just all squiff and a couple of uh, a couple of signings are probably needed. I should have mentioned Craig Sibbald. He would probably be my first choice in terms of making an alteration for, for the upcoming game against Aberdeen. I think um, he has probably proved over the course of this season, although he's not been seen for a while, that he is maybe the most combative of, of Dundee United central midfielders, so probably de- deserves a chance. But either way, I just... I would love to, absolutely love to be proved wrong. Uh, we should point that out, but... I think if that midfield three plays against Aberdeen, then it could be a really, really long afternoon at Tannadice. Sorry, a long evening at Tannadice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said, mournfully. <laughs> Another thing that strikes me, I watched, I, watched the, uh, I watched the goals two or three times, uh, just because I was hearing on the radio on Saturday afternoon how bad they'd been. And I never, I never ever like falling into this trap that, oh, footballers aren't trying. Off A... When you don't know what to do, you tend to stand still. So it looks like you're not trying, but really you're working out what to do. But another thing that struck me about the goals, is there a bit of the mentality, George, of United just now that I thought the build-up to the two goals, there was a wee bit of, oh no, it's happening again. Uh-huh. And I mean, it's a sort of, it's, it's, it's just a wee change, but it's getting them to go, no, this isn't going to happen mm. again. But there was a thing that they were like, oh God, here we go. And you could see them sinking instead of, Busting a gut, you know, to get yeah. back and put their body in the way. They're like, God, this keeps going wrong. Well, that's the spiral they're in. That's uh, since basically AZ went what two or three up, and suddenly the heads just just went, and, and they've never got that back at all. Um, despite having experienced players, we talked about Charlie Mulgrew and stuff, and then you think players who have been there and done it would kind of see the signs and, and, and be able to try and turn it around. It's, it's now Liam Fox's job to, to try and figure that one out. Um, and it looks like a tough job at the moment. You just have, looking at the table, Kilmarnock winning last night is left United three points behind already after nine yeah. games. I mean, there's a lot of games to go, but... The, three points are, behind Ross County. And is, yeah. is, a, is a team not too far away from Tarndow's found out uh, last season yeah. you don't want to rely on a bad Ross County run lasting forever exactly <laughs> and and looking at Dundee last season obviously they had a terrible season but they had more points than United at this point I think it's they about three a decade points. since someone started the Premiership mm. is it that long is it at the United team in 2015 they went down and had five points at this time it's worrying signs but there there is time obviously to turn it around um, they are not those teams have to prove and they've got quality well 
I was going to say, Tony Watt scored his first goal mm. of the season, only his second since the turn of the year for, uh, for United. Well done to him, but Alan, they're not going to get relegated because they're too good. Well, not on the evidence of what they're playing just now. Yeah, Tony kind of showing a, a complete disregard for how football narrative works by attempting <laughs> yeah, no. the... I'm not trying to you guys who are stories, by the way, but... I was surprised to see an experienced player come away with that. that Temp- tempting the gods, isn't it? Mm. Aye. That's the kind of thing you bear, you know, be shouting at in the dressing room. Yeah. Boys, we're too good to go down now. Let's get out there and show it. It is surprising coming from Tony. Um, you know, he's been around the block quite a few times and, and knows his score. Um, but for that to happen, we need Tony what, doing what he's doing at this stage last season and banging in goals on a regular basis. Yeah. So hopefully, that, hopefully that, that's a spur for him as well. And you'd like to think that it's come from a place of determination rather than arrogance. I mean, I was in the room as he said those things and it didn't appear to come from a place of um, ambivalence or apathy. It wasn't an assumption. It was more of a, a rallying cry, if you like, that you know, this team is too good to go down and we will prove it. Now, if that confidence, uh, that determination is born through in the next few results, then happy days. And Tony Watt should rightly come out and say, well, I got mocked, uh, you know, 35 quote retweets or whatever. <laughs> yeah. for, for the uh-huh. He should he should have the last laugh, but he needs to make sure that, and his, no, he can't do it on his own. He and his teammates need to make sure they have the, the last laugh and, and rightly be able to say, you know, to hell with karma, to hell with the footballing gods. We said we'd stay up. Yeah, we hopefully. said we'd be comfortable and we are. Hopefully sooner rather than later he's coming out and saying I said it because he knew it was true and it was reflective of not just the ability but determination. But it's still a risky thing to say. Yeah, it's the type of thing that can come back and bite you and it's not it's not the type of thing that people forget either if things are still going wrong. So Aye, and it's, a, does it not, it's also the kind of thing that riles the teams around you in the league. Uh, yeah, Aye, uh, yeah. Sorry, John. Uh, no, um, I mean, we're certainly not going to discourage it. No, <laughs> we like these sort of things, Tom. We like we like players to speak their mind, and it gives you good good headlines. So, Tony, the message is: you keep saying it to these boys, and I'll criticise yeah. you for it. It's, it's just called like, hypocrisy. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's back up those words with action. That's what I yeah, said. Yeah, aye, aye. I mean, maybe maybe it was just maybe what was missing, and we're going to go out mm-hmm. there starting on Saturday and prove it. And it's now it's about effort isn't it uh, t- the first the first thing they've got to show and again I, 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 I've never bought into this footballers aren't trying I don't I don't know any footballer and all the time I was involved in the game that didn't try however it looks on a pitch as they cause their loss and do nothing but but there comes a point where you say well at least I've got to physically show that I'm running about and doing things and that's the first thing because I mean how often teams that play well always like to say We'll go out in the first 15 minutes and win the battle, and then our quality will show. Well, go and win the battle and then say, well, at least that's a starting point, even if we don't win this week or next week. That should be a given. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's, that's any professional football, that's a given you're going to go in the park. You mean, no footballer plays well every single week, Tom. There are some players who are incredibly consistent and manage to manage to be a 7 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10 mm. every week and they're, they're, they're a godsend to a team but there are others who float who will be a 9 out of 10 one week and then go down to a 3 out of 10 the next week but you've got to have that part and parcel but actually putting in the, the effort has got to be a given um, and that's what United need at this point in time I see I look at United's squad I think they do still have quality within that squad to get themselves out of it Tom it is, it's the mix on the part they need to get yeah. to get right what, a bit of encouragement for them what I would say is I, I'm thinking back to last season and Malky McKay had a tour of time at, at Ross County early yeah. doors George you know I don't I can't remember if they were exactly as poorly off at points wise as United at this they, point. they didn't win until they played Dundee yeah so well, well that's right yeah. but look where they finished up they finished exactly. in the top 6 and they were whisked away from Europe because they managed to get themselves on the, on the right track and I believe United, Dundee United can do that if they get the right blend going and they managed to get a mix hmm. what United were doing last season Thomas said about sort of that effort that effort in games we saw United playing last season and some of their games were it was pretty turgid stuff having to watch but they were giving no goals away yeah and as the game got to the last 20 minutes, if you, I mean, I was watching from a distance, maybe on Gillette Soccer Saturday, you had a feeling that Dundee United were going to get the goal. Yeah. And, and more mm-hmm. often than not, Nicky Clark would pop up with a one-up and they gave nothing away and they, and they picked up points. And that's the sort of performances and, and you know, resilience that they need at this point in time with the position they're in. Ah, it's a, it's a point, isn't it? Maybe that's, Alan, what the players have to 
get into their heads and something Liam Fox can do to them is remind them people watching whether at the game or you know social media radio watching updates on TV last 20 minutes of games last season the majority of people would have bet if there was going to be a goal in a United game it would be United that scored because they wouldn't give away yeah I mean I think that's probably what's so frustrating about the current situation is that there are so many of the current squad that were part of that team last season that were hard to break down, knew their roles and invariably would nick a point or it would be an exaggeration to say they won loads of games because it was a hell of a lot of draws last season but invariably they didn't lose so that'll be a, an element of frustration and that's something that they need to recapture but that is it's so easier than done easier said than done pardon because as you touch on players aren't playing badly deliberately and players aren't not trying but see when the confidence goes see when the belief goes see when it doesn't feel like that next win is there for you that's so hard to shake it is the great intangible of football and we've seen it a million times in a million different leagues over the years when things start to go against you momentum turns the tide turns and it, it can be difficult to turn around you're turning around an oil tanker and that particularly is difficult you would say right now at Tannadice you know it's the you know Dundee United have only won three domestic games at Tannadice in the whole year you know it's I mean they've only beaten two teams because they beat Motherwell twice so it's a, a poor record at Tannadice this year in general and you wonder if that's a monkey on the back and this season lost all four games conceded 15 goals they've scored one goal at Tannadice from open play uh, in the league that all that all battles together it's all momentum it's a boulder running down the hill and uh, they'll they need to turn that around quickly. That you know, there's simply no other way to put it. That's you know, we can talk about how difficult it is. We can talk about this and that. But bottom line is, Liam Fox and those players need to find a way to arrest this decline and kickstart their season. And only then can we start talking about rediscovering momentum, form. You know, being difficult to beat, getting big wins. Until then, it's it's just talk. And I see the manager has brought in a man on trial who you'll know a bit about, Alan. Mm-hmm. Arno Joom. Yeah, c- covered Arno during the, the, the heart's beat for well, his entire four years at Tynecastle. Um, lovely man, very softly spoken, uh, nice character, um, hard-working, diligent, gets his head down and, you know, came but does he eat raw meat and take no prisoner? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, do you know what? He wasn't, I wouldn't say he was necessarily, you know, a tough tackling, snarling destroyer. He's quite a classy footballer, Arnold, but he can get about the pitch. He understands his tactical duties. And if you asked him to play in a holding midfield role where his main role was to be a plug between the midfield and the defence while dictating the play a little bit and making a few tackles, he can absolutely do that role. He loved a booking back in the day, so that's, you know, while we're not advocating fouling people, that's maybe not the worst sign for a, a Dundee United team that seems quite averse to making tackles. So he's a fine player. Um, he came in relatively unknown and, again, actually a free agent in October for Hearts um, back in, I think... Oh, 2015, 2016, I mean, time flies, but he definitely came in in that October window under Robbie Nielsen and proved himself, got up to fitness, eventually made himself a full Cameroon internationalist and won the Africa Cup of Nations. That's proper pedigree, but the big question is, he's now 33, he's had a couple of injuries and he's not played a competitive game since May, so... There are your pros, there are your cons. Um, that will be why Dundee United are being smart about it. They're not making a panic signing. They're bringing Arno in to let him have a few sessions, get up to speed and see if he is the, the answer to those midfield issues. Um, if he is, if they decide he's fit, ready, ready to make an impact, then he could be a very good signing if he is still the, the Arno Zoom of, uh, that we saw at Tynecastle. And if not, no harm done. So uh, I think it's a, a smart move by Dundee United to get him in and have a look. I, I can't, no, I'm not aware of every free agent that's in existence, but in terms of taking a few boxes, he seems a smart yeah. one. Well, be- beggars can be choosers at this point, can they? It's, Absolutely. I mean, it's, oh, George's Dundee like, hat was on there. Beggars <laughs> can't be choosers. Oh, George. <laughs> What's wrong with that? That's well, you have to answer the, the mail. It's up to you. <laughs> Bear, it was actually... Uh, 
I put this mainly to you because of our age, but we we tend to think that you're not you're not a holding midfielder unless you've got blood on somebody's socks. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't need again. It comes down to standing in the right place. Funny, I had no. to, uh, when Alan was speaking about Jim there, uh, it made me think of a chat that Jackie McNamara uh, told us about when he was United manager. And he basically wanted more defensively from Stuart Armstrong. And he made the point to Stuart Armstrong, Stuart, you're no attacker, but you're fast. Mm-hmm. And Stuart was also a very willing, diligent pro, as we see to this day. And he just said, get there. And very often, just getting there is enough. Being in the right place, either somebody sees you so they don't, go, they don't aim the ball or themselves at that space, or you stop them doing what mm-hmm. they want to do. Absolutely. It's being able, it's having that instinct to, mm-hmm. to smell danger. Mm-hmm. Where is the danger? What we're going to do about that danger? Do we have to stop that danger? How do we stop that danger? Do we have to put a tackle in? Mm-hmm. The things that Callum Butcher did so well for Dundee United. Was this Ten Hags? Yeah. Half-time talk yeah, yeah. to the Man United players yeah. on but, Sunday? But that's, Don't bring that Sorry, George. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what, what it is. It's, it's, it's seeing that, you know, and seeing, seeing where the problems are and, you know, making sure that you, you, you stamp them out very quickly one way or another. And as I spoke, said there, Callum Butcher was the ideal man for that. You know, we saw the tackles that he put in the tackles. That, Aye, the tackles that he for got. boys out of the area, because yeah. he bit them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know too much about Arnold. I remember him. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure if he worked at Hearts with Liam Fox, was that? He did. He did uh, so, I think Liam, Liam was in the youth yeah, ranks, but they would so, have been colleagues. Yeah so, yeah, so Liam will have a good idea what he can bring to, to the club. There will be an issue, certainly, with uh, fitness and, you know, Having not kicked a you know in a, a ball in a competitive match for me has to be a concern. The last thing Dundee United want to do is be giving a guy a contract, mm. and then within sort of two or three weeks he's on the treatment table and out, and out sort of. For, just for, to, for a spell. Just look at Diego Costa's appearance for uh, Wolves the other night as a sub. You just just stand still and say, "Kick the ball to my feet, and I'll kick yeah. it, to, and I'll kick it to someone else." Well, it's, it's, it can be an easy game. That's that that position, Tom. You can make it as easy as yeah. you want to make it. I mean, it's, it's more about sort of seeing what's going on around you and, and you know working working on that and, and you know keeping things simple. I think and and, and using your experience. And as as uh, Alan's pointed out, you know he has played at a very very high level. Um, the only thing I would say about Arnold Zuma is certainly from a paper point of view he's one of these he's got one of these names that is very easy to spell incorrectly so you've got to keep an eye <laughs> what you're doing when you're putting it in the paper but yeah it's, it's, it's boiled down for me down to how, how fit he is it's good for a podcast headline <laughs> as you might well, find yeah. out later <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's down to fitness whether you need to go forward with him and hopefully uh, the recovery starts on Saturday but it won't be afternoon Alan yeah, under the lights at Taradice, if we're looking for any... <laughs> make it sound quite romantic. <laughs> if we're, uh, well, if we're, if we're hoping for any omens, at least the last time they were under the floodlights, Dundee United were pretty good um, against uh, Alkmaar. So uh, perhaps that's something to, um, as we desperately... Did you turn the lights on in home? <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. Very good point. Actually, I don't think they needed it to be I'm, I'm narrowing. I'm narrowing it down. <laughs> under the floodlights in Scotland... <laughs> It's uh, yeah, so no, it's going to be a it's going to be a really tough game. Um, Aberdeen, not only are they do they appear to be a tidy outfit this season. I'm not going mad about them. Um, I think there's I've spoken to a lot of people that have watched a heck of a lot of Aberdeen this season, and particularly earlier in the season, I think there was a feeling that they were maybe getting away with a few things in terms of their performances. You know, opponents getting daft red cards, some key penalties, things like that, but. No doubt that on their day, they are a very adept going forward and have shown a particular um, ability to take advantage of opposition's weaknesses. But, you know, if they go down to 10 men or they're not quite on it defensively, they can score a few goals. And yeah, you shudder a little bit when you think about someone in form like Miofsky against the, the Dundee United backline uh, That'll be the first test for, for United is can they keep it tight? And there's the one thing that, does give me slight cause for, I wouldn't say optimism, but thinking that the game might slightly suit Dundee United is the fact that they they did reasonably well away to Motherwell when they had to be um, organised, they had to be defensive, and their first task was not to lose a goal. Similarly, they went away to Rangers and they looked a good counter-attacking team, you know, when they could just focus on having a good shape and then springing rather than 
dictating the game and maybe getting caught on the break and those big gaps appearing in midfield. So you would maybe suggest that, although the fans might not want to hear this, they could set up in a way that they are not the front foot team mm. and look to maybe soak up a little bit of that pressure and then spring because they've looked reasonably capable of doing that at times this season. Whereas when United look to go forward and dictate the game, the moment possession turns over, all hell breaks loose on the counter-attack. So that would massively concern me when I look at guys like um, Bazoujian uh, and Matty Kennedy and Miofsky and there's just a lot of people there that have got either pace or who can score goals so concerning evening ahead but at the same time if there was to be a game that would kick start the season if there was a game to get the fans a wee bit of positivity there home to Aberdeen you would that would be pretty high on the list you know with no Dundee in the division um, so and they did manage it last season with a sort of stodgy 1-0 and, and what they would give for another one of those and George Am I right in thinking you watched Aberdeen in the city of Dundee at six o'clock on a Saturday night last season? I think it was later. I think it was a seven forty-five on a Saturday. Was it? In uh, well, but I, I mean, I'm all for exper- experimentation, but they tried a Saturday night game last season that didn't yeah, really do no, much. It, it, it wasn't a disaster, but I think there was that one on the BBC. I think, and there was very few. Fans turned up. Yeah, maybe I'm conflating it with another um, game. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced. That I'm I'm kind of more on board with the idea that the lower league clubs that are looking at doing earlier kickoffs. Yeah, to save on floodlights and, and stuff like that with the cost of energy at the moment. Um, I mean, why not try? I mean, I'm not saying it'd work, but like, why not try a two o'clock kickoff in your sponsors' lounges? Put your tea on. Maybe a bit of cap. I'm just off the top of my head. Maybe a bit of cabaret afterwards. See if you can make it. Make your facility <laughs> a Saturday night out. Well, they could do that after the after the game on Saturday. No, the game's finished as eight. I've got to get to good my time. Bed at my age. <laughs> Imagine that. Aberdeen <laughs> went four nil. You know, we only watched can can dance. I know. I know. It's the last thing they want. No, imagine being the comedian having to go out and everybody's like, we've just got home. Well, have you had a great day? No, uh, go away. Maybe a few people just yeah. turn up for the cabaret. I don't mind trying new things. Cabaret's maybe pushing that yeah, a little bit. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you never, I mean, it was, was it for American television? Yeah, I think that's connection was there. I mean, how much, how much, I mean, Dundee must have got something out of that. Did they ever find out? I don't think they ever said anything. Were American TV interested? Don't know. I don't think they were. Not, not convinced. I, that's so, a problem. It's an exercise. I, think that, I mean, if there's money to be made, absolutely. You know what yeah. I that, That's what I say, but I, I just... And I'm all for this period. E- even if they tried something different and then said, oh, well, you know what, the, the six o'clock mm-hmm. idea is the best one. But I don't I don't really get why they're, why they're trying it again when yeah. it's a, Saturday night's... N- the good thing from a Dundee United perspective, Aberdeen will still bring down a massive support. Yeah. You know, mm. so regardless of that, the, the, the timing of it all, there will be a huge away support buying tickets uh, for that game. And also, we are sitting here discussing it. Yeah. yeah. Would, would we be discussing yeah. the kickoff time of a three o'clock kickoff? You know, and I think that's that's that's, that's, that's get the fans to behave so you can sell drinks, and then Saturday night becomes a lot more attractive <laughs> to people. But people like a drink on a Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. But that's half the battle: getting people talking about it, getting people acknowledging that it's something different, and thinking to themselves, "Okay, I'll give it a go. Maybe maybe we'll enjoy it. Maybe the atmosphere will have that crisp crackle of a European night type thing." Mm. You know, this and as Bear rightly says, this is a good game to try it, and because. Aberdeen are going to sell out their entire away allocation regardless. United have got around 6,000 season ticket holders. It's going to be a big crowd. It will have a a big fight feel. Um, so if, you're, if you are going to try to try something new and showcase it to an audience and say, look at this, it was mm. it was great. Uh, you know, it, it was a big crowd. It was under the lights. It was a crack on atmosphere. Watch Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, you know, if you are going to try it, make it a game that, as an occasion anyway, so that even if, you know, maybe it do, not everything clicks about it, you still have that fact that Aberdeen are bringing a big crowd, it's a big game, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I, I'm just, we've been covering Scottish football so long that something a bit different, I'm kind of up for That's seeing how it's seen. We all saw last season. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I wasn't a fan <laughs> of that last season. Right. Six, six o'clock's a bit better than 7.45 though. 
I would think. Yeah, it gives it gives fans the chance to get back up the road properly, yeah. you know, with a little bit a little bit of time to spare. Or time in the pub afterwards. Or time well. in the pub, yeah. yeah. You young nightclubbers. <laughs> I remember when the pubs closed at nine thirty. And I thought that was, I remember thinking, that must have been terrible. See, now that's too late for me. (laughs) Anyway, enough of my woes. And now for part two of What on Earth's Happening? Dundee, eh? (laughs) Dundee, eh? (laughs) Oh, I have to say, I got a WhatsApp on Tuesday night when the third, just after the third goal went in. (laughs) And it said, great news for Dundee. They're they're making a huge uh, stadium plan saving because they're now going to apply for planning permission for 500 seats <laughs> this can't go on it's totally bizarre but it can't to be because it's been going on since the 70s yeah on <laughs> and rarely off <laughs> this season is completely bizarre because they either keep a clean sheet which they've done eight times this season I think more than half their games they've had to keep a clean sheet they've played 15 they've had eight clean sheets They've lost four league games and in every single one they've conceded three times. Wow. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but the, the fact is, George, you know I mean, I did, sorry, is everybody sitting down? I did some research. Ooh. Basically, and I was actually sur- slightly surprised because I thought, you've lost four games, you're not going to win a league. Hmm. The truth is, you can lose up to nine games and win the championship. It's the cutthroat nature of that division historically but even uh, nine games is the extreme sort of six sevens probably the average yeah so you're talking they've got what 28 29 games to go yeah they need 27 games to go i think it is and they can only really afford to probably lose another three yeah i know it's it's big ask and you can't i've been quite impressed with Partick this whole season i can't see them losing up eight nine games I think they'll lose some and they'll lose some form but I think they look pretty decent um, by the time Dundee play on Saturday they could be seven points behind if Partick beat Inverness on Friday which is a big old gap at this time of the season cast adrift in mid-table mm. but we have seen with this Dundee team it's not changed a huge amount in the past three years since James McPake took over they've started slow pretty much every season in the, in the championship in particular They've been in this position when McPake was in charge that they were adrift in mid-table and they managed to get themselves up with a big run at the end of the season. A lot of those players are still there, so there is cause... Well, they haven't shown any cause for optimism this week. Um, I thought it's bear the most depressing words. The Sunday fans will hate. A lot of those players are still there. Managers have come and gone over the mm. last few seasons, but the fact is... Even when they got promoted, Dundee couldn't win the championship. Mm-hmm. They then finished bottom of the Premier League. They've had different managers. Does it tell you what they have to do? Well, I mean, they should know what they've got to do. I mean, a lot of the players have been involved in the past. Um, I meant the club. No, the club, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, Don. I mean, I, I look at the squad they've got and I, I still think it, there is quality there. I think the big problem Gary Boyer has got, he has a massive squad. We've seen changes, if, not every single week, but I don't have there's been one position that has been secured. We're only eight, nine games into the season where there's been the same player in that position mm. every single week. He's changed the goalkeeper, he's changed the right back, he's changed the two centre-halves, he's changed the left back. The midfield has changed. The forwards have changed, and he would. I think that's what you're seeing. And he's he must be scratching his head because they go to Hamilton on Saturday. Um, they play really well on the plastic for seventy minutes. They are by far they're, they're, they're playing Hamilton off the park, and in the last twenty minutes, they fall off it. They get a bit nervy, and Hamilton could have could have came away with a point. Now Dundee go up the park with the last kick of the ball and get mm-hmm. a second one and make make life easy for themselves. And they go to Cove, get a brilliant start in the game. And then, I mean, they don't capitalise on that. They don't capitalise on that start. If they get a second goal against Cove, it's game over. There's absolutely no doubt about that. It's game over. But they give Cove a foothold in the game and then they lose two. I mean, all right. I mean, it is two good goals from the guy, Connor Connor Scully. Two terrific finishes, which probably belie that that league (laughs) in terms of the finish. But 
you've got to defend properly and they're just not doing that in certain games and what I do have to say both goals that could have been stopped yeah, a long way from the goal yeah uh-huh. it's, you know it's, and it's another one where you've got to sniff out the danger but Gary Boyer must be scratching his head because he has put changes in and you, and you think you're, you're taking one step forward with a clean sheet of Hamilton You've got Ashgrove back in the team at centre half. French played well. French had a good game at Hamilton. Mm-hmm. The two centre half. I'm not putting the, the, the Cove defeat entirely on their shoulders. It's not like that. But they then go and lose three. So he's now got a he's got to get his head going again and thinking, how do we tackle this this game at the weekend? You know how how do we what sort of team do I have to put? Do they make changes again or do we go and trust these guys again? They, they can't get any any consistency on their team selection. And that's why they're not getting any consistency in the results there. Uh, Alan, I'll turn to you, because there's method in my madness here. I mean, last week, I was talking about some of the good football Dundee have played in patches, and some of their football at times is sublime. But particularly in the championship, it's what gets you up, not what you do when the going gets tough. And it strikes me this Dundee team don't have that in their locker. And the reason I ask you is, you were still in, uh, working through in Edinburgh when Robbie Nielsen was getting pelters from Hearts fans in the championship. But he had a team for that league. He then changed it when they got promotion and it's maybe harsh on individuals that lost their place and had to look for other clubs. But the manager's job is, you know, to represent the club and do what's best for the club. And I'm not particularly having a go at Gary Boyer here because he's on a limited budget. But... To get out of the championship, the most important thing, because Hearts won it by a country mile, playing the kind of football that their fans didn't want to see. But none of their fans are complaining about that now. No, um, with the with the benefit of uh, with the benefit of hindsight, certainly um, that the Hearts team that won the championship at a canter that had Hibs and Rangers in it. Nobody was complaining about that, you know. Hearts, you know, wasn't always champagne football, but they won. But they also won games like ten nil against Cowden Beath, and they won two one at Ibrox and things. So that was uh, the fans liked that side. Second time round, when Robbie went back, maybe a, a little bit more turgid. There was spells that you know losing to Broda was. <laughs> if Dundee do that, <laughs> then we can talk. Um, so you know there was. Um, yeah, there have been moments, to your point, where, for example, a Robbie Nielsen team hasn't always... I mean, even at Dundee United, they weren't yeah, always... No, they, you know, they weren't, they, United, they weren't, they weren't getting herograms. Mm. You know, they weren't getting herograms. So you do need that mix of... What I would say is, I think it's really important to have um, efficiency in the final third, and then the rest of the side need to have a balance of being able to play a little bit and having a lot of dig. I don't think you need seven creative masterclass mm. players in the championship. You need difference makers in the final third. And then the rest of the team needs to be able to win fights, win battles. And that's what most good teams that have come out of the championship have come out doing. I mean, I think the last team that was really blown away by coming out of the championship and thinking, wow, they did well to win that league in that manner is probably St Mirren, Jack Ross's St Mirren. Um, they were one of the best championship teams I've I've seen. So... Yeah, Gary Boyer needs to find that mix of of dig and creativity, which doesn't seem to have found yet. I mean, I was getting Dundee United PTSD watching the Cove <laughs> Rangers goals before coming in here, you know, yeah, because yeah. it was it was the same thing. The the Connor Scully goals are goals that have occurred because there's been a way too easy turnover in the middle of the park, and then. The, the midfielders haven't reacted with the same pace as the attacking players. There's yeah, not this. There's not the same desire to turn around and get back that the attackers have to bomb forward. And that's that's desire. That's dig. That's you're not getting to this ball before me. Mm. And ah, this that, is, I mean, this is not the Callum Butcher show. Don't don't no. get me wrong. But it, it, one watching one of the goals in particular, I can't remember if it was the second or the, the third. If a Butcher-type player was on the park, there would have been a foul to Cove oh. in the centre circle because the Dundee defence were exposed. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing is, and George will know this better than me, I would suggest that within their squad, Dundee have players like that more so than perhaps a, a Dundee United do. Mm. Yeah, I, they've got options. The two main options in that position were out. That was both on the bench, actually. Joe Grayson and, and Sean Bourne, who's just coming back from injury. Um I think they've missed a bit of Sean Bond. The midfielder on Tuesday was young. Paul McGowan was the most uh, forward of the three. 
and Max Anderson and Ben Williamson were sitting. So it's a very young kind of yeah. midfield, and that's maybe where uh, they need a bit of experience in there. I, I would suggest both really good players, but the I think it was the second goal. I think Ben Williamson went chasing the ball a wee bit, maybe a bit naive, and, and left the space. And I, I think Cove made the most of that. Um, it's something obviously he, he will learn as a good, good player, and he played pretty well on the ball on Tuesday, but. That's one thing we should never forget. Dundee are a young team, on the whole. I mean, I was talking about Paul McGowan there; he's thirty-four, but he's an outlier. Him and Langston's and Sheridan are the only over thirties in the, the entire squad. I don't know whether inconsistency is just something we have to expect from this team, but we do know the qualities there that they can be a whole lot better and be in a far better position than they're in at the moment. Uh, Saturday at the bottom team are both. If they don't win that, there's a huge amount of pressure on them, I would say. I do expect yeah. them to win that, because we know what they're like. Well, I've expected them to win. I, mean, to, I mentioned to you as we were walking towards the studio. just thought I'd say that, because it is a real studio. <laughs> what a waste of money that is, I'd say. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's for, it is for us. <laughs> the company gets yes, you some of it. I suppose there are, there, are, there are able broadcasters who use a studio as well as us. But I just think, I've actually forgotten where it's gone No, but I was... What I was saying was, I mean, the bottom line is the pre-season promotion favourites lost to the pre-season relegation favourites. Now, however mm. unfair those tags were on two, the two teams, that's still what happened. Yeah, it's a bad, bad result for Dundee Bear. It's a bad result, and you know, it's it's one of these ones, Tom, that, that people look at and they look and say, "You got beat from Cove Rangers." And we're disparaging of where Cove are in Scottish football now. You still think of them as a Highland League club. Um, they've come up deservedly so through through the leagues. And, uh, you know, the same gets thrown at our growth time and time again. They're in that league on merit. They should be treated with respect by everyone. But it was a bad result. There can be no doubt about that. I'm just wondering if Gary Boyer will bite the bullet a bit and turn to Sean Byrne. Because there is no mm. doubt, we know that for a fact that he was he was going to let him leave in the transfer window if a, if an offer came in for him. But you're right, Sean Sean Byrne, uh, you know he, he can play and he can play well at that level, and he knows he senses danger. And he puts he the boot in. He as might well. not be everyone's cup of tea. He senses danger. Now I saw Ben Williamson came on in the second half against Hamilton on Saturday, and I was surprised he he, he plopped him right in front of the back four. But he actually did quite well mm -hmm. to a point. But he is not, again, like you, you've just pointed out, he's not a natural guy to sit in front and protect. He wants to go, he wants to, to help the attack, he wants to move forward. Um, and at this point in time, Dundee aren't a team that won't lose goals. If they don't protect themselves properly, they're not going to they're not going to not concede with the four guys at the back. They won't get away with that. We're playing sort of five or six guys bombing forward at one time. They need a protector in there. So it's either got to be, as, as you say, Burn, or drops McGowan in a wee bit deeper, or mm. he takes McGee from left back. McGee can sit in front of the defence as well. He's been singing the praises of McGee. McGee is not a natural left back term. I watched no. him at Hamilton on Saturday. He's a right-footed player. Mm -hmm. now, he, got, well, he, I, he got good plaudits for Saturday. As well as I remember when Dundee signed him. As well as signed as, him I spoke to Raymond yeah. McKinnon, who said Dundee have probably got yeah. the two best like right-backs in the yeah. championship at that time, yeah. and Jordan McGee and... I really like him as a player, Tom. He, he gives his all, and he puts tackles in as well. You know, But at left-back, when the ball gets played to him, it's not a natural thing for him to actually let it run through him and take it on his left foot. His first touch is with his right foot, which stops the ball. You don't move forward. If you're getting the ball from the goalkeeper, he's not going to let it run through where Jordan McGee would go. There's space here. It's a natural yeah. run. He stops the ball. And every time he gets it, so it's, it's, mm. he's not a natural. So I would say, I, I don't know why he's... I, I can understand why Jordan Marshall's out of the team because he hasn't been playing fantastically huh. well. He may have had a wee knock, I don't know. But he has got a left foot and I would suggest that they go back to that because McGee isn't a natural in there and we do need a holding midfielder and I would suggest he's better utilised in that situation than playing him out of position at left back. I think of all the, the McGee's versatile but of all the positions he's most unnatural it's left back. Yeah. You know, so I'm, we'll I'm not sure what will happen with McGee. I didn't think he played well in the key moments on yeah. Tuesday. It was his attempt at clearance for the first one that was, was Strange. I don't know why he headed it. 
where he did and it allowed Cove to get it back and they do move them I mean they, yeah. when I say they managers not our manager but managers do move them around a lot does, mm-hmm. that, does that affect you eventually you'd think so you maybe don't 100% nail down exactly what you're doing week in week out he wants to be a midfielder and I think he's made that clear I think that's where he's been at his right. best I, think I like him as a defensive midfielder obviously yeah. I don't see him remotely as much as, as, as George and Bear do mm. but in, on the occasions I have seen Jordan yeah, yeah I like him as a centre half a lot of the players Sorry, here, well mid. that squad was, was at his best but he was part mm. of the central mm. midfield but he also had Charlie Adam next to him that's one thing that's missing he was the runner Charlie accused me of being <laughs> doom and gloom I was trying, I was trying to Charlie Adam played, the, played the passes and, and McGee yes. was the strong runner to get on the end of them um, well Charlie definitely wasn't a runner George <laughs> <laughs> I mean they might not have Charlie Adam but surely they've got good enough yeah. technical players in there that Jordan McGee could come in and do the same role yeah. and allow them to you'd think so yeah yeah I'm yeah, I think and I agree and with that. And the nice two Zachs and Sheridan's back now. They've, they've got actually players that make the accuracy of the pass less important. There's a yeah. bigger mar- margin for error because they've mm-hmm. got a few mobile strikers. If you can knock it into good areas, these boys can get on it. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how pleased Boyer was with, with these strikers because he used them all on Tuesday. Robinson went off at half time um, after getting a, a daft booking. And Rudden did okay, had that couple of shots saved by the goalie and did decent. See, but that, that was a worry for me because although I mean, Dundee lost, they're 3-1 down, but there's still 35 minutes to go in that game mm-hmm. and Dundee didn't make any inroads on, the, on it at all. Like that, that, that's there was a, a couple of chances, yeah. but there was no like concerted pressure, yeah. was there? It was I always feel, Tom, as well, when it's a, it's a knee-jerk reaction sometimes, right? Three off. This isn't good enough. Three off, three uh, off. But it fragments the, the, the shape. At every of the level, team. they seem mm. to be sort I, I of managers. Like a, a, a it's a fashion level. almost, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to get a bit of fluidity in the team because you're making so many, yeah. so many changes. Speaking of knee jerk reactions, I mean, George, you'll be more plugged into the sort of Dundee social media, Twitter sphere, and all that sort of thing. Is this the first week there's been a sense of the honeymoon's over, or has that happened after previous defeats, or has it not happened yet in terms of the fans' perception towards Gary Boyer? Because at some point, yeah. surely you need to say four defeats in the championship is not ideal for a new manager. Yeah, right, I, uh, in the uh, first week of October, mm-hmm. I, I have noticed a, a shift after after the Cove one. Um, not like the wholesale everyone's had enough of him but there's a few comments and things that people some people aren't overly impressed but in his defence he's not really been able to sign anybody one permanent signing he made it clear he wanted more he's made it clear in the press that he wanted more and they didn't happen so it's not his team yet that's one thing I I would say that's we've said there's a lot of the players that have been there for a number of years so um but no, I have noticed that a few comments uh, about the manager need your may change if they go and win on Saturday, and then it kind of put it behind yeah, them. Of course, I'm just thinking as you say that, George. There was, there was certainly a, the impression I got from speaking to boys like yourself and others who were regularly in touch that even for all he didn't do well, one of the things Mark McGee felt was there needed to be an overhaul of the squad. Mm-hmm. Now. Gary Boyer has he's been very 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 loyal to the players in terms of what he said he's never really blasted them or anything like that but just the fact that he signed what three or four players and wanted to sign more he obviously thinks that way what's the point in employing managers yeah if you don't buy if you don't listen to them because mm-hmm. I think he's Clearly, had two experienced managers basically say to them, "You need a big turnaround." Mm-hmm. And very often, we've seen it down the years. Even you now, at your tender years, George, although you're in your thirties, <laughs> and you bear. Sometimes it's it's not about the quality of, of the individual players. It's mm-hmm. just the fact they've had they've had failure at a club. It's time to yeah. change. Yeah, you need. I think he's he's a victim of. Uh, previous regimes who have signed these players I mean and, and they're on they're on good contracts Tom this is a fact a player will not leave for less money no. somewhere else and, and neither mm. they should but I, I think that was that was the case with Sean Byrne I think that was obviously the case with McGinn he's wanted to bring someone in he's been told 
You can't bring anyone in unless you get somebody off the wages. And he's looked predominantly at their wages, two big wages at the club. Yeah. And, you know, the two of them are good players. McGinn's an international player. Burns still got something to offer, I think, but it was more the wages. I think I so, think yeah. You could have got that amount, two guys off, you're, uh, yeah. a few thousand pounds a week, Tom, quite easily. Um, he would have been able to bring in who he maybe wanted to bring in and spend the money there. But, you know, you know, he, he's just got to get on with, on with it, with, with what he's got, effectively. And it is still... Still look at that squad. It's still by it's far and away yeah. the strongest squad in that in that league. You know, and, and as he's rightly pointed out, the games they've lost, they've not they've not been beaten. I've never not been one game this season and, and any of the games they've lost and went, I'm really concerned here because that team looks a mile better mm. than us. They don't. Well, every stage in, the, in, in all of the t- defeats I've seen, the only one I've not seen any footage of was the Inverness game. Dundee were the better team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the Partick one, maybe not Partick. Partick was a bit of a Partick. shock. That was uh, the yeah. first game. I'm but not the sure rest, what went on there, yeah. But, but the rest, yeah. yeah, it's been, could have went either way and it's gone against them. And I have is, to say as well, I mean, we're maybe looking for excuses here, but the games have lost. The game against Inverness, the guy Cameron Harp, Harper scores two absolutely terrific goals. The game against Cove Rangers, <laughs> the boy Scully, two fantastic goals. The game against the United, the big lad Akin up front Akinyemi yeah. great goal the guy, come, the guy came in from right back and whip point they're, they're actually they're, they're goals that belie the championship status they're all six of those goals are exceptional goals for hmm. that league unfortunately they've all gone in the back of Dundee's <laughs> net so the goal, goal of the season competition is going to be against Dundee so, yeah, I mean, but, but at the same time if you put the more pressure yeah, that a player's yeah. under in that individual situation the more it, yeah. the more yeah. unlikely these great Absolute, finishes are, absolutely. are going to happen and you get a warning if the boy scored one goal for me yeah. if you see him coming into the box to make sure you pick him up you don't leave him yeah. with space to, to get another effort away on target you know because some guys can score some guys never look like scoring, let's be honest about it, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's seen the warning signs. In defence of the manager, though, how many, just a general point, how many times this season have you seen, I think, the, the boy Joe Gomez against Napoli, right up to the highest level, boys make a mistake that causes a goal and then they make the same mistake again. And I'm like, even amateur football, not because it was any great tactical sense. Somebody just shouted you for being doing something stupid. You sort of thought, well, next time you'll give us a good kick if we do it. <laughs> so you don't do it again, but what is it about the modern player that does the same thing again? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, the thing is, you can make you make the same mistake two or three times and you don't get punished. But if it's not your day, you will get punished. And if you, if you do the same mistake twice, then the manager's got every right to pull you off the park if you're not doing what you, what you should be doing. Dundee have to concentrate on a couple of things. Stop losing goals. They have to. That's that's a fact. As I've said before, when they went up via the playoffs, last dozen games or so, they must have eight or nine clean sheets. Mm. Get back to that. Now they've, they've shown they've got clean sheets in their locker. That's when they lose one, they tend to lose three. Ah, right. no, the head <laughs> that's what, yeah. that, Exactly. Now maybe that's there's a there's a there's a mental thing there that is affecting more than just one player here. They lose a goal and they start getting a bit fragile and boys are, are starting to get a bit tentative on the ball and not doing the good things they were doing before that, that's the thing they need to get sort out of the system quickly. Hope springs eternal, George. The one game where they, they reacted the right way to mistakes Arbroath. was Arbroath earlier this season. And Arbroath had really struggled since then. I mean, they looked kind of like the, the Arbroath of last season in that game. They hard to beat and, and looked dangerous on the attack. I'm not sure how... The, if they've looked like that again since, um, obviously struggling at the foot of the table. Uh, going to Gearfield's not always the easiest uh, places to go. Uh, it's been a bit windy yeah, this week. I know. So we'll wait and see what the conditions are like. But if you want a game to get yourself back on track, you want to play the team that's bottom of the league and struggling, who haven't won at home yet this season. If I just teed that up for a classic Dundee. I was going to say, if you're at the bottom of the league, who do you usually want to play? <laughs> who are you going to exactly. call? Yeah. Dundee FC. Yeah. That's, a, that's yeah. unfair. That's a good one on the, on the fixed odds. Can I just say something um, before we wrap up, Tom? At the game on Saturday at Hamilton. So leading up to the Hamilton game, we are told there would be no cash gates at Hamilton. Um, so you had to get your tickets online. So one of our guys goes on, has to give email addresses, names gets six tickets or so and, and puts them on his phone. Rocks up at Hamilton, 
twenty to three um, on on Saturday. That's early for you, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is quite early for us. <laughs> uh, anybody, know, anybody that knows Hamilton too, there's there's absolutely there's no hostilities. In the, if you ever yeah. if you ever see kick off time three o five in the telly, that's bare. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to there, and lo and behold, there's three gates, and there's two cash gates which are empty, and there's one gate for everybody that's got online All right. tickets on their phones and the queue is snaked back right back under the tunnel and away back and of course what happens the heavens opened and it was I'm talking cats and dogs and fans are getting really really agitated at the standing in the pouring rain and having a go at the you know I mean it's not these get this, this the stewards there was there were a few police present but it's just it's just pathetic and I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to make a point here is clubs are moving forward with, with sort of getting tickets online, which is great, but the infrastructure at stadiums is not there. And to have fans walk up, who obviously are just decided on the day to go, walk right up to the front of the queue and walk in while everybody else was getting absolutely yeah. soaked is ridiculous. And it's, it's, it's clubs uh, taking fans for granted to it really is. An old it's not, Scottish it's not, football it's, tradition. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's don't get me wrong. It's not just Hamilton. It's every. Yeah. It's everywhere you go. You're not treated like a customer, and in some instances, you're actually treated like cattle when you go to go to these stadiums. Yeah. So they need to get that. Need to get that. So it was a really poor show. I've got to say, uh, but we, we dragged out. We dragged out about half past three, I think, when we got inside. But <laughs> yeah, poor crack. I have to say, one of my age-old criticisms of Scottish football is when you go as a paying customer. The one thing you're very often not treated like is a customer. Mm -hmm. You're treated like you're an inconvenience. You're treated like you're a potential troublemaker. And it, 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 as I'm fond of saying, it's an entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. Attract people. They, they forget that. They think they Put cabaret on. You can have cabaret <laughs> in the queue. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's just I'm not giving up on that. <laughs> <laughs> but hey... On a lighter note, George, I see in your notes, Jay Chapman leaves Dundee. <laughs> the, 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 is there really a Jay Chapman? Was this just a nice I sort saw, of... I, I saw him once, I think. <laughs> I never actually spoke to him. Because uh, I, I must have been off the week he, he, he did his uh, Things like that are always unveiling. good for, you know, the, the sort of your four parts short in your story. And meanwhile, Jay Chapman <laughs> still working on getting his... Yeah. Uh, It'd be a good quiz question, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. down the Chapman. line. Pub, pub quiz question. Never lost the game. Two draws. Yeah. Joins uh, Nicholas Hamilton, who played one minute of a 3 0 win, and Andreas Hedenius played three games and never lost. I'm sure there's more out there, but. Those Dundee greats. Yeah, <laughs> all, the, all the stars. Yeah. yeah. Did he ever actually make it back from the States? No, he never came back. Never came back. Um, so he actually left about seven months ago. <laughs> yeah, he did actually. This is the end of the, uh, I guess, the legal wrangle, I think I called it, um, because he didn't want to come back. And that's basically it. It was just about figuring out how, how they do that. Well, what happened initially, the story goes that he put his uh, passport through the wash accidentally uh, in the summer. I've heard that from a couple of sources, so I guess and that's the true. The picture came off to reveal the real, <laughs> the real owner. So that's what happened at the start, and they were waiting for a new passport, but then it just became clear that he just didn't want to come back. Because to, his, to be fair, from his point of view, he'd moved across the Atlantic and then never played football. George, the fans will look at that and say, all oh, right, if you don't want to come back, that's fair enough, but we're not paying you. We're not going to pay you. Yeah. That's, what, Dun that's what Dundee said, basically, yeah. yeah. It's very difficult when they get involved in contracts and things like that. Yeah. That's, that's what fans don't really take on yeah. board. They're, they're legally bound to, to keep paying him even though he hasn't the ability to come back. It's nah. ridiculous. It'd be so incredibly frustrating because touching on what we were talking about mm. earlier in terms of the lack of signings over the yeah. summer. Yeah. Exactly. If they timing, got, I know. Yeah, if they could have got this sorted, um, not even a couple of months earlier, mm. maybe even just a month earlier before the loan yeah. window closed, it's that's a couple of game changing signings potentially but due to the, the the outlay that you know we think or you think um that the chapman was on i don't have any expertise you're, you're the man for that but it's good, good money for me to encourage illegality but if i was if i was in that situation as an employer and up the workers it's usually my stance but i'd say to the boy we're no paying you and if you if you want to do something about you that we'll see you in court but remember you've told us you don't have a passport and b you don't want to come over 
Thank know, God Dundee got a proper lawyer. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's all sorry. Dundee owners where really they took that exact stance. <laughs> it's called the Dundee way. I mean, as a city, by the way. But yeah, <laughs> he, he obviously wasn't happy with the way he'd been treated uh, last season, but why did sign him? Train better. Aye, this what he was signed by John Nelms wanted to get into the American market, and that's so they went with Jay Chapman. And James McPake was told they were signing this Jay Chapman. And then McPake left, McGee came in and never played him either. So that's two people who've been in the game a long time decided in a relegation battle needed all the players you can get and they didn't use them. So I think it's a, a harsh lesson for, for Dundee. Um, well, hopefully yeah. on Saturday, Dundee are given the lessons and not receiving them, George. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or... Go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>